0: ted audio collective this is zigzag i'm Anoush Zamarodi. and if you travel up from new york city past the state capital of albany keep going keep going up 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 nearly to the border with canada and you will find the small town of messina it's a town with a long history of industrial innovation come and gone. But now, maybe, come again. All because of its proximity to this.
1: That buzzing in the background that you can hear is the Moses Saunders Dam, which historically powered Alcoa Aluminum and GM and
0: Reynolds Aluminum. Our producer, Thalia Beatty, went to visit the Moses Saunders Dam... And it is so interesting, because for a good 50-year stretch, starting from the year it opened in 1958, that dam reliably triggered innovation in that region. Its cheap hydroelectric power lured industrialists upstate, where they hired folks from the town of Messina, who helped build massive factories, creating aluminum and automotive empires. But over the last decade, as the story goes in much of the U.S., those plants shut down. The empires faded. And yet the dam, it keeps going. The energy emanated.
1: And now there's a new industry that would like to benefit from this incredible public power project, and that's the cryptocurrency mining
0: industry. Yeah. There's a new industry, and it's Bitcoin. Bitcoin. And that is deeply confusing to a lot of locals, like Rita Curran, a local legislator and nurse practitioner. You're
2: talking to people who are used to working with their hands and building something and have watched their grandfathers and fathers before them do the same thing. And now you're talking about a small computer that's about the size of a toaster that generates intrinsic value that comes in as a like an electronically available coin. So to a lot of people, they're looking at you when you're telling them this and you're thinking, what?
0: What is right? Mining for Bitcoin? It's not mining like most people think. You can't hold or drive or even see what a cryptocurrency factory makes. But if Messina's got the power to run a massive Bitcoin operation, Why not reap the benefits? Who cares if the product is virtual, if the effect on the town's livelihood is real? That's the promise. That's the hype. But to understand hype, you need to understand the cycle that it typically goes through. And that's what we're going to do. It's ZigZag, Season 3, Episode 2. We'll be right back.
3: To do for me. Don't, Don't believe, believe the, the hype.
0: hype. Don't believe the hype. Public Enemy gives such good advice. Because hype is a funny thing, right? It's it's kind of like a mirage, some sexy tease of coolness or wealth. It often doesn't materialize, but once in a while, that thing that's getting hyped actually is the next big thing. And maybe you're right on the money. People ask Jen and I all the time these days whether we think crypto and blockchain is all just hype. Yes, we are now people who other people come to for information about these things. Anyway, we often answer, we don't know. Nobody knows. And instead of watching the crypto markets ping pong up and down, Jen and I have been watching a different type of graph. Nerds that we are. We have been referencing the Gartner hype cycle. A model of the five phases an idea or innovation, like cryptocurrencies or blockchain, that it typically goes through. We explained them broadly on the last episode, but we're going to explore those phases, the peaks and valleys of a really strange roller coaster. And it starts with phase one, the innovation trigger. At this very moment, on the current hype cycle graph the most recent one, various innovations are in phase one. And chances are pretty good that you have not heard of them. Not because you're not in the know, you totally are, but because these innovations are gestating. They are not ready for prime time yet. There are technologies like 4D printing and smart dust. What the heck is smart dust? I was hoping that it was like dust that would clean itself like your living room would self-clean or something. No, it is not that. Smart dust are groups of tiny little sensors like digital mites that will eventually be used to measure things like moisture and light and temperature. Smart dust has been hanging out at the first phase of the hype cycle for years, and it will likely hang out there for many more, according to Gartner. I mean, you can imagine why, what with privacy and health concerns and also like making teeny tiny little sensors. Anyway, it's a fascinating idea, though. You got to admit, 5G connectivity, you've probably heard of that. It, on the other hand, is just about to cross over into phase two, make it to the peak of expectations, that top of the hype cycle roller coaster. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. To even get into phase one, let's ask what snap triggers someone to come up with a big innovative idea? Well, the best ones, the ones with the best chance of being implemented faster, are, of course, the ones that solve a problem that we humans are already struggling with. Like that app, Kinzen, that we did a recent episode about. Hundreds of you have signed up to help develop it because it spoke to a problem that you're having. I explained all this to the creator of the hype cycle, tech analyst Jackie Fenn. Here's another excerpt from our conversation. Okay, so I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. We did an episode about a new app called Kinzen, and the idea is that it helps people manage all the news coming at them all day long, kind of like how there are apps to help you meditate. This would help you with information overload. That's the concept anyway. And I want to just play you one listener, this guy Henry. He had this reaction, which I think possibly demonstrates – the innovation trigger.
3: I stopped scrolling Facebook and Twitter years ago because of the overload. It was just too much all the time. And I get into the beginning of this interview you guys did, and I'm thinking, you know, this sounds cool, but it's probably not for me. You didn't even get to the end of the episode. I'm already on Kinzen's website and signing up to be a contributor.
4: Yes, increasingly, that's certainly true that you can't get the information you need, and then you get it, you've got too much, you've got the overload, you react to that. So that's a great example of a of a need that people see. Now, we tend to look for fundamentally new capabilities that, that the technology triggers. What we often see nowadays is that some things will come in and they haven't been in the lab. They have been proven in the kind of your viral primordial swamp of Internet web innovation where there's just thousands and thousands of things being tried Mm -hmm. all the time. And some of them rise to the top. Most of them don't go anywhere. But then the ones that rise to the top get noticed and they kind of hit right pre peak. So you don't get a long incubation in the lab like you might get with your hardware or display technologies or VR or some of those things you get sometimes a simple, very intuitive, a very usable solution that rises to the top and kind of then hits that peak. So kind of you know, enters like a meteor rather than that slow rise of R&D. And I think this one sounds like a nice example of that.
0: It might be a nice example of that. The Kinzen app could get out of proof of concept pretty soon, but you know, there's lots of variables like the engineers need to get the tech to work. They can't run out of money. The timing has to continue to work in their favor. We shall see. But meanwhile, many of you wrote us to share something that triggered you, in a good way, to innovate or make a bold move in your life. Craig and his wife, for example, decided that the kids were old enough and it was time for them to swap roles in the family.
3: About three years ago, I took a step back from being the breadwinner in the corporate world. And my wife took a big step out after being home with the kids for uh, over a decade. And she's out there. She's the breadwinner. She's killing it. Another
0: listener, J.I., moved back to his homeland of Puerto Rico after the hurricane a few years ago. Natural disaster was his trigger to start a solar company there. But then another trigger got him to pivot his business model.
4: Well, one of these projects involves working on creating decentralized renewable energy microgrids through electric cooperatives and the island. And I got to that idea because I met two brilliant people.
0: Serendipity is a great trigger. For Scott, it was geography, though. He was already living in Portland when a job came to find him.
4: I actually work uh, for a cryptocurrency company. Can't really say which one. But what's hilarious about Portland, and I think there are many cities around the world that kind of function in this way, is that it's one of those places in the United States, at least, that tech companies go to find creative, empathetic people to do their tech support. And that's kind of how I got involved in financial tech.
0: Isn't it kind of lovely to hear that creativity and empathy can trigger innovation for a city? On a smaller and even sweeter note, Dan in Tasmania found inspiration right in his grocery aisle, and it was in the midst of acting on a culinary trigger that he left us this message.
3: So today I'm making a unicorn cake for Lucy's fifth birthday tomorrow, and I'm rolling out fondant and spray painting it gold. So apparently you can eat this fondant stuff and the gold stuff that comes out of the spray can as well.
0: Innovation triggers can come in so many forms, and it does feel like a unicorn when you find one. Happy birthday, Lucy. Okay, when we come back, we're going to go deeper into the repercussions of this. Yeah, that humming sound. That is the sound of many megawatts of power triggering a whole cryptocurrency mining thing in the little town of Messina. But for better or worse journey with Thalia to winter in North Country after this break. It's Manouche, this is Zigzag. And remember that road trip up north that we mentioned earlier? Well, our producer Thalia Beatty took that very route from New York City to visit Messina. A town that has gone through the hype cycle numerous times, with the hydroelectric dam nearby sparking innovation there over and over again. And this time, it's very questionable. Is this innovation blockchain? Bitcoin? Is it total bullshit? Or could it be revolutionary for a town that could really use a hand? Here's Thalia's first audio postcard. Quarter
1: mile. Continue straight onto Barnhart Isle. I've headed up to Messina, New York. It's a town of ten thousand people, and I went to visit Coinment, where one of the largest crypto mining operations has set up shop. Coinment has taken over this old, basically abandoned aluminum smelter, and I'm so curious to see what they're doing in there, what it looks like, and what the people who live there think about all of this. I'm driving on this island that it's snow covered. And in every direction, there are power lines. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, like another ten. These huge rows of power lines that extend across the river. That's Canada over there. I'm just gonna walk around the corner here. It's icy. I'm standing on this catwalk outside of uh, Hawkins Point on the St. Lawrence River, and that buzzing in the background that you can hear is the Moses Saunders Dam, which was built in 1958, joint project between the two countries, and generates colossal amounts of power. 850 megawatts goes to both sides, the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, that's the sound of power, which historically you know, powered Elko Aluminum and GM and Reynolds Aluminum. And now there's a new industry that would like to benefit from this incredible public power project, the cryptocurrency mining industry. Right when I get to town, I had to talk to a couple of local officials about the legacy of these old factories and what they think of coinment coming to town. Rita Curran explains the sense of unease it's created here.
2: I'm Rita Curran, and I am the St. Lawrence County Legislator for District 15. I'm a nurse practitioner. I had to watch a whole show to understand cryptocurrency. So if I have to update myself, yeah. it's a, it's a very different thing. And... I think that people here are looking to go back to making aluminum building cars. I mean, that's our heritage. We're production-oriented, we're bricks and mortar, and this is just a bunch of little computers going about their business. The folks I run into at the local
1: favorite restaurant, via name, pretty much back Rita up. Coinment is sort of a town curiosity, maybe like a joke almost.
0: But what do they do with this? Bitcoin. (laughs) To me, it's just like an imaginary currency. That's what I think of it as. The
1: owners of the local motel where I'm staying, Blue Spruce Motel, Gina and her husband, Mike, they seemed intrigued and a bit skeptical.
2: She's not my first researcher on Bitcoin coming and staying here with me, just to let you know, you're my second. Yeah, she came up here and she told us that we're going to be the largest Bitcoin place in the, the world. That's the promise.
1: That was the promise, which I think Deserves investigations. I don't don't know that
3: much about the old
0: Reynolds plant where that company went in there, but he said jobs. I haven't heard nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Electronic stuff, automation, all that cuts people out, in my opinion. Don't use my name. (laughs) You don't want me to use your name? No.
1: And then there's Dave LeClaire. He's the type of guy that has seen all of the phases these plants and this town have gone through. He's a union guy, an optimist, he sees possibility. He was a Bernie supporter in the 2016 election, a union president at Alcoa. He's intrigued.
3: We've seen a lot of big job losses up here of real good jobs, high paying jobs. I work at the Alcoa plant. I was a former union president for the East plant that closed in 2014. A lot of that has changed. whatnot because of what we've been through.
1: I spent hours driving around the town with Dave, looking at the houses Alcoa first built decades ago, which many of them need work, many have for sale signs out front. We saw the empty lot where the GM plant once was. And I realized that the stakes are high for any big tech company coming in and talking about the possibility of jobs or really any significant economic activity. But until now, I still haven't set foot in coinment. All we know was that they say Bitcoin mining on a massive scale is happening there, and they have big ambitions to grow the operation. At this point, 20,000 computers, which they also call miners, hum away, essentially producing the virtual currency. It's a massive, massive old industrial space that's been turned into a super modern, post-industrial crypto factory of the future. So I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot outside of the old Reynolds plant, Alcoa East. And I did not expect what I found inside. Hi. Hi, are you you Don? Don? So I'm Don. I work uh, at Coinmint. Hi. Mike. Really nice to meet you. Thanks for having
3: me. My name is Mike Campbell. I'm the... Senior Vice President of North Country Data Center.
1: All right, what are we doing? We're gonna go on a tour. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are we looking at?
3: So the uh, the substation behind us is three uh, Nipo one hundred and fifteen kV lines. What KB? kV? kV uh, kilovolts.
1: So that's um, okay. Kilovolts, a thousand. Megavolts, yeah. a thousand, thousands. Yeah. So this is you're like. Feeding this from the same energy source that used to run the aluminum.
3: That's right. Yep, and it's directly the uh, the dam over here, the New York Power Authority dam.
1: Part of what is so amazing about this situation is that this thing that was designed to do this previous thing is also facilitating this new technology, but it's just so different.
3: Absolutely, and that a, a plant that's built in the 1950s that would never even conceive of Bitcoin as is, is now able so well suited for for the application.
1: That that's wild. Before coming here, I've like never seen a building like this. Yeah. Like it's just huge
3: it, in scale. There there aren't too many buildings like this. Can you
1: just tell me what I'm gonna see in case I can't hear it when we're inside.
3: <laughs> You'll see a bunch of of shipping containers. We have one that's filled with miners and that's where the intake air is and then we have a, a second container that's the exhaust air. Each each distribution feeds three containers and then the uh, containers are filled with about uh, almost 700 miners per 700 computers. But it is always, how do you get heat away from the miners? They generate a lot of heat. And how do you feed them power? And then you exhaust heat. That's, that's essentially the, the setup for any mining systems.
1: So, is what I'm hearing the, the computers?
3: Yeah. Yes. That's the, Yeah. <laughs> it's, we That's, swing one side. It's pit <laughs> Yeah, That's what we... Uh, that sounds equals money. That's yes. what the...
0: <laughs> Man, it sounds cold up there. Okay, that was our first postcard from ZigZag producer Thalia Beatty in Messina, New York. I feel like she's, like, reporting kind of an economic mystery thriller to us. She's going to be sending us more audio postcards over the next four episodes, and I really want to know how this is all going to end. Oh, also, by the way, Thalia is taking stunning photos of the landscape up there. These big, massive, barren factories like you've never seen before, lit up with color from a wintry sky. Check them out at zigzagpod.com on our website. We'll also put a couple of them in the newsletter. And speaking of which, email us if you have problems signing up for the newsletter on our homepage. newsletter. Maybe you want a back issue. Email us. We're at zigzag@stableg.com. At Next week, we're going to enter phase two of the hype cycle. The exciting, exhilarating peak of expectations, as it's called.
3: In one aspect, I'm glad to see that something's being done here. Mm-hmm. In another aspect, the whole cryptocurrency and Bitcoin thing. They said there's going to be 150 jobs.
0: I, for one, love being at the peak of expectations. I'm actually a little worried that I live for being at the peak of expectations, but we can get into that later. Anyway, also, please keep your voice memos coming. Tell us where you are on the hype cycle in your life, in your work. You don't have to include your name. We just want to share stories about the process of creating building, failing, and then maybe rising again, we want to share these stories because we can definitely all learn from each other. Record a voice memo, send it to zigzag at stableg.com. And thank you. This episode was produced by me, Jen Poyant, and Thalia Beatty. Our audio engineers are Matt Boynton and Dan DeZula. David Herman is our composer. ZigZag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil. We are proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. Radiotopia is a curated collective of the best podcasts out there. You should check them out. I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and thank you so much for listening to ZigZag. Be back in a couple weeks.
1: Just got on the road here. And man, is Albany beautiful shit. Okay. (laughs) Almost took my first wrong turn.